Hey there, welcome to the Student to CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Mason. We're talking to entrepreneurs who launched their business at a young age, and they're now killing the game. Tune in to our episodes as these guests spill the dirt on taking that leap into entrepreneurship just like they did. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Student to CEO podcast. I'm so excited to have Laura Benedetto here today. TEDx speaker, number one best-selling author of The Six Habits and Life Mastery Coach, Laura teaches how to create the life of our dreams without sacrificing what we love. As founder and CEO of Vision Advertising, a company that she built at the age of 19, she has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs build and grow profitable enterprises entirely on their terms. Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. This is such a pleasure. I'm so pumped to talk with you. Yes, and I'm super excited to have you here on the show with us today as well. And so now I'd love if you could start off by sharing with our listeners what you do and what led you there. Sure. Um, So I currently do two things. I own Vision Advertising uh, in the Boston area, which is a marketing company. Um, I started that back in 1999. Um, It feels so weird to be like, oh, that was 21 years ago. Yeah, that's a legally drinking person ago. That's insane (laughs) to me. And I feel like a fossil. Um, But yeah, I started that at 19. And I was very much the student to CEO that just being honest, had no idea what she was doing. And I did that for a number of years and I still own the company and I was able to figure out how to retire from active duty in 2000, what year is it? I'm so confused, 2018. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I was able to do that at 37. So I was 19 years in uh, the executive chair. And then What I discovered, which was kind of interesting, is that yes, I had built lots of success and yes, I had all the toys and all the awards and all the great things, which I'm super proud of, but I just wasn't a happy human um, because I did what a lot of women in my generation do um, is I chased you know, the glory, the toys, the awards, the the accomplishment, because I needed to feel better about myself because actually my relationship with me was kind of crappy um, and it just needed some work. So um, when I retired, I had all kinds of time to just sit there and think and honestly sit in my jammies and stare at the wall and feel bad for myself, which I did a bunch of. Um, and I was like, well, clearly I have no idea what happiness is. Why don't I go ahead and figure out what that is and um, figure out what happy people have in common so I can be happy too. I did a lot of research and I started studying human behavior and attitude, including my own. And I was able to discover um, the six habits, which my book is about. And I'm now so excited to be the number one bestselling author of the book, which kind of blows my mind. Um, and now I'm on a mission to serve others and bring people this incredible joy, liberty, and genuine happiness. So we don't actually have to achieve success the wrong way. We can do it the right way, enjoy the ride and have the best time of our lives. I love that. And especially because you took the time after you retired to kind of take that step back and realize what was missing in your life and what you could do to bring happiness into it and now help other people do the same. Yeah. For years, it was always just, you know, 
all about me. And, you know, if you've ever, <clears throat> if you've ever been in a position in your life where you've been in pain, it's all you can see. And it's all you think about. And it makes mm. your experience at that particular moment, kind of egocentric because it's just all about you. But once you solve the pain, it stops being all about you and it starts being about giving and service and really loving and sharing with others. And that's honestly the best part about all of this. This is no longer about me at all because I finally fixed the thing that was bugging me. And now it's like, oh my goodness, look at what I can give to others. <gasps> okay, let's go do that. Yes, absolutely. I love your perspective on that. But now I'd kind of like to take a step back and really talk more about vision advertising since you started it so young. So one question I'd love to ask you is, how did you know at the age of 19 that marketing was what you wanted to do and that owning your own marketing firm was the path to take? Um, yeah, <laughs> I just needed a job that I wasn't going to quit or get fired from. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I would love to be that person that could just sit here and be like, oh, yeah. So at 19, I had a very clear vision of what I wanted out of my life. Girl, no, we're not going to be lying to each other today. Um, so at, you know, at the tender age of 19, I was leaving an abusive relationship Um I had a series of jobs, 14 in one year. I, my mom was not thrilled with me because she was helping me do my tax returns that year. And she's like, really? Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. And you know what? Listen, I just, I got fired from half the jobs. I qu quit the other half. And, you know, it's kind of like hell doesn't want me because they're afraid I'm taking over. That's a lot of the reason that um, I got fired. And I was just like, damn it. I can't stand this. I don't want to work for minimum wage. I am infinitely more valuable than this. And I'm, I'm not going to report to people that I just can't respect. And I don't want to be doing menial work. I want to do something that's actually important and get this. Um, when I was in that abusive relationship, um, I was actually the general manager of a motocross track and somebody needed to do the marketing. So I kind of had to figure it out. So I was like, well, all right, I guess I'll go do marketing. I can get paid really well at it. And it wasn't like this big revelation. It was just like, yeah, I can, uh, I can be paid really well at this and I'm very good at it. I never actually stopped to consider, will I be happy doing this? I was like, well, I can tolerate it. It's fine. And for 19 years I did, I fell in love with it eventually, but you know, it wasn't right away. Yeah, definitely. And so as you were getting started with your agency, what was that process like of just building it up and taking on something that was so new and being able to find clients and grow it and all of the stuff that goes into a business? The process was honestly really scary. Um, being someone that's always been somewhat outgoing, I'm, I'm kind of like a weird mix because I'm an outgoing introvert love to be alone, love to be with just like one person having a really powerful conversation. Um, but I don't like being in a crowd. So networking events, just absolutely horrible for me. Never enjoyed them. Thank God they serve wine at many of them. Um, it was always a problem when I was 19 because I couldn't get the wine. Exactly. But um, <laughs> they'd be like, excuse me, miss, do you belong here? Yes. I, I own a business. Go away. <laughs> like, go home, little girl. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. But you know what? Like being an outgoing introvert really, really worked for me because I love one-on-one -on -one conversations. Sales has been something I've always been great at. If I think looking back at the skills that I've brought into vision advertising over the years that have helped it to be what it is, a great company with a solid backbone, like 
you know, employees, loads of clients and things like that. Um, it's always been my sales ability, probably as my number one skill that's helped me to really understand people's pain and really understand what they need solving and really get to the heart of the matter and, and like actually solve a problem for someone. So being able to just put myself out there initially was so weird and so uncomfortable, mm. but my incredible authentic desire inside of me to actually help other people helped me to sell even when I had no training or whatever I just would listen and be like tell me more about it um really get to the heart of the matter and then I was able to sell sometimes despite myself but sales um has been the number one thing that really helped me to get where I wanted to go and what you just said is so important, which is the whole mindset of when you're selling, you're serving. Because I know so many entrepreneurs, especially when they're just starting out, I know I struggled with it, was I I hated feeling like I was being super salesy and just trying to get people's money. But really what people need to understand is that whatever service you're selling or product you're selling, it's impacting and benefiting someone's life in some way. And that's powerful. You want people to buy that so that way you can help them and whatnot. Amen, sister. I mean, when you when you finally get to a place in your relationship with sales where you realize, oh, sales is not a manipulative, icky thing I'm doing to someone. Sales is actually the byproduct of a really good conversation when you genuinely care about someone else and you really listen. That's what it is. I love that. And I think that's so true. And exactly what you had mentioned, just being able to really listen to what people are struggling with and what problems they're facing, and then being able to provide the solution to them. Exactly. I know you mentioned that with your business, simply just getting started was really scary. But outside of that, would you say, what would you say was the most difficult part of starting your business while young? How much people seem to enjoy taking advantage of the young kid? I don't think that um, some people had enough self-awareness back in the day to realize that they were trying to exploit me because I was so young. They would try to take advantage of my kindness, try to take advantage of the fact that I'm female, take advantage of, oh, my youth, everything, and try to get better rates out of me and try to negate my value and make me feel like I had to do things for free because, oh, you need to build up your portfolio. And mm, no, you're going to discount my value and that makes you the client from hell. You got to go. So I had a lot of people mistreat me actually throughout all 19 years. And a lot of the same issues were there because, um, you know, people do like to get a deal. And just because you're approaching sales from a highly ethical standpoint, you're doing the right thing. It doesn't mean the buyer is. And sometimes they just want to get a deal and they will use everything they can against you to do that. I mean, I'm painting a rather bleak picture. I mean, most clients and most humans, I believe are not like that, but there are some, and it seems like I met tons of them. And that was not a fun thing to go through. But I'm actually very grateful that I did because it taught me better boundaries, better payment policies. It taught me how to write contracts. It taught me how to sell better and how to weed out clients from hell, how to run a better team and how to grow up very, very quickly. So being, you know, a very, very, very young leader, it made me 
vulnerable to a lot of exploitation from others. Mm. And I had to grow up quick to make sure that that didn't happen. And I'm actually really glad that I did because I got sharper, better, faster, and I ran circles around other people because of it. Yes. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the part about dealing with people who are just taking advantage of you, specifically clients, because I know that 100% I can relate to that. And it's a really hard thing to go through, especially if you're not really used to the situation. And also if you have a really hard time letting people go and having that feeling of disappointing them, which I know is something I definitely struggle with. So for someone who kind of finds themselves in that situation where they're young and they have a business and they're just dealing with a client or customer who is just being outright disrespectful, what's your advice for them on how they can really successfully end the relationship and move forward while feeling good about it? Well, there's, those are two very different things. Um, and then there's another one, is, which is also prevent that from happening in the first place. Um, successfully ending the relationship, it's going to end. It doesn't even need to be successful because they're going to hate it no matter what you say. It's like asking your husband for a divorce, which I've already been through. No matter what you say, the result is still divorce. They're not going to like it. You just say what you say. You hold your integrity and you, you do what you do. Like, But feeling good about it, that's where you actually need to work on yourself and feel good about who you are. So this is where the work of my book really comes into play. So there's six habits. They are kindness, acceptance, gratitude, presence, goodness, and intention. The one, and I'm happy to talk about these in detail if you want, but the one we really need to pay attention to is the unconditional self-love, right? And when you unconditionally love yourself, like, no, I'm good. If I fire this client, I still love me. If I lose this revenue, I believe in me. I know I can replace it. You have to fortify yourself as the human because your business will always be a reflection of you. And I don't care how big your company is. If you started it, your business will be a reflection of you and your relationship with you. So if your relationship with you is chaos and fraught with like low self-esteem, guess what? Your business is probably going to be chaotic and it's going to be loaded with people crapping on you. However, if you truly deeply love yourself, like no conditions, you're not suffering from comparisonitis and you're not feeling imposter syndrome and things like that. And you just love who you actually are and where you are. Um, then you can walk away from a situation knowing I deserve better. And that's pretty much the bottom line here, period. And the words will come to you and you're not going to feel as defensive. So, you know, you asked about like, how can we do it? Like I said, it doesn't matter what you say, cause it's always going to be received poorly. Okay. Um, it just is nobody likes to be dumped. Nobody likes to be fired. So it kind of doesn't matter what you say, but when you do say it, you should feel good about who you are and you should like how you've done it. It doesn't matter if they like how you've done it and you should be able to hold your head high and not get sucked in, not take it personally and not attack the person. You can simply state a boundary and you can do something along the lines of, um, you know, thank you so much for doing business with me. Um, at this point, we're going to conclude the project and we're going to go our separate ways. Here is everything that you need. If you need any recommendations in the future, please don't hesitate to ask. There's no reason you need to burn a bridge. There's no mm. reason whatsoever, but there's also no reason that you need to leave yourself uh, vulnerable to attack or get sucked into emotions. Feelings and business, like mm, they, they have no place in your emails, like keep your feelings out of it. Just be cordial, right? So the third part of this that you didn't ask me about, but I really want to talk about is how do you prevent these problems? You prevent these problems by selling better and you actually follow your gut instincts. When your gut is telling you, 
This person does not have my best interest at heart. This person is going through my contract with a fine tooth comb. Yeah, it's because they're looking for a way out later. They're already planning for it to fail. Um, you know, this, this person is being hostile during the buying process. You know, listen to your damn intuition. If it feels like something that is kind of off in the beginning, pay attention to it. And again, with acceptance, unconditionally loving yourself will allow you to actually listen to your intuition instead of dismissing it. Because oftentimes we dismiss our intuition because we don't feel as though we are a good judge of what's going on and we don't believe in ourselves enough. But when we do believe in ourselves and we really deeply love who we are and who we're not um, and our place in life and our progress, that's when we can be like, mm, you know what, I might be a young CEO here, but my gut is telling me something's really off here and I need to honor that. And you can just take a few days, be like, okay, I just need a few days and I'll get back to you. And sometimes just those few days gives you a buffer. So you have the courage to say, yeah, this is not a fit, but I'm happy to refer you to someone else or, um, you know, however else you want to handle it. But there's dealing with it. There's how you feel about dealing with it and then preventing it. So I hope I answered your question. That was so perfect. And especially what you mentioned about intuition, because I remember when I was just starting, and I'm sure many people can relate to this, but when I was just starting, I did not follow that gut feeling. And I just took any and every project that came my way because I wanted the experience and I wanted the money. And so lo and behold, mm -hmm. the projects that, that ended up making me feel really stressful and ended up just being horrible situations ended up being the ones that I had that gut feeling at the beginning. And so what exactly what you just mentioned now about being able to weed those people out and kind of understanding when you don't feel good about the situation, when you're speaking to them to prevent that from happening is huge and will save so much sanity, um, stress, anxiety, and everything like that in the future. Totally. I mean, I mean, listen, I love what you just said. And, and I mean, your podcast, but thank you just for being so transparent about it. I did the same thing. When I started my business, I took on any money's green, right? I just sold to anybody because I was like, yay, it's a win. Ah, but is it really? Is it really? And that's when I learned through experience and some of these lessons you just can't get away from. And sometimes you actually have to go through the client from hell situations to even understand what a client from hell feels like or what they look like or how to spot them before they become a client. Mm. So like you went through that, I went through that. And there's actually no way that I would ever rewrite history and be like, no, no, no. I really wish that, you know, I didn't go through that. No, I'm actually glad that I did because it made my company stronger and I became a better leader and sales executive. Yes. So important to remember. And now on the opposite end of being the most difficult part of starting your business while young, what would you say was the most rewarding? Oh my God, the freedom to be myself and not hate my boss. <laughs> I mean, that was so cool. Like, I just remember like, instead of having someone, I mean, you know, I didn't care for the bosses that I had when I had that year of 14 jobs, even the ones that, um, you know, like I didn't get fired from, like I quit for a reason. Like I just, I never felt like I actually had someone of merit to look up to, um, I don't know. I just, I always wanted to respect the person I worked for and I wanted to build a company that I wanted to work for. And then when I went off and did my own thing, I could be responsible for my own day. I didn't have someone micromanaging me and constantly reinforcing. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I need to micromanage you. It's like, actually I'm an adult and 
watch me go adult now. Like I'm going to manage my calendar. I'm probably going to work too much, but I'm also going to run circles around you. And inside of one year, I'm going to outpace your income by double. So bye. (laughs) I know. I know that is like the best feeling. (laughs) And like my boyfriend will joke with me because, um, like during the summer, if I'll take a day off, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm taking a day off from work. And he's like, your boss finally stopped being a jerk. And I'm like, I know, (laughs) but it's so true. Like just being able to be your own boss and not have to report to anyone else and know that you have full control is huge. Well, it's, it's so like liberating and it's not even the fact that I worked less. Can we just say for everyone out in happy listener land? No, entrepreneurs do not work less. Okay. What you do is you work differently when, I mean, even this happened to me last week, I had a conversation with someone that was so aggravating, so aggravating that I could feel a migraine building behind my eyeballs halfway through the call. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, okay. Because I work for me, that meant I could end the call and not have to make a boss happy. It was like, no, no, no. How I feel is most important right now. And I hate this phone call and I want it to be over. So I ended it. And when I was done, I still found myself like residually irritated. I'm like, Mm. no, I'm going in the ocean. Goodbye. And I was able to just take care of myself. And I find that when you're in the corporate nine to five environment, you don't get to do that. Your needs come last. And so I like working at 10 PM because nothing's happening. My husband's off watching TV or doing whatever stuff he likes to do. And the cat's just with me having a glass of wine and I'm doing what I want to do. And I'm inspired and I want to work on projects because it's actually fun for me versus, oh my God, I have to blah, blah, blah. And I'm sorry, but my brains don't kick in usually till around 10 AM. So, you know, being forced to work in the whole like eight to five environment before that never worked for me. When and how I work has been the biggest form of liberty, not the quantity. Yes which is so huge. I mean, there's so many articles out there about how saying the whole eight to five or nine to five is no longer relevant. You can't expect people to all be incredibly productive within that same time frame. It just doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. And, you know, this is actually the way I prefer to lead. So some of the members on my team are super ultra um, restricted with themselves around the precise containers and boundaries around their time usage. I'm like, okay, well, if that makes you happy, you have the freedom to do that. And then there's other members of my team who they just want loads of freedom to work whenever they feel like it and take the time off whenever they don't want to work. It's like, okay, well, you're an adult. I'm not your mom. You figure it out. I trust you to do a good job. And that's one of the things about leadership that um, I like the most is having a company filled with adults that I don't need to babysit. That was probably the major thing that irritated me about having so many jobs is I felt constantly disrespected by being treated like a child. Like I couldn't manage myself or my time effectively. It's like, actually, if you show people that you trust them, they usually exceed your expectations, not disappoint you. So my people have unlimited paid time off. They get to take it whenever they want. Just make sure that your, you know, your responsibilities are taken care of. And, oh, you don't want to work on Friday. No problem. Oh, you want to work on Saturday. Okay. Sucks for you, but that's your choice. Like, like, I support you doing what you need to do so you can do the best work and feel happy about it, period. Right, which is huge. And that's what everyone should really strive for is thinking about how they can create the life that they want and of course still do a really great job about what they do. And it's it's absolutely 100% possible. 
totally possible. I just think we need to like start to shift our heads a little bit and realize, oh, you mean it doesn't have to be this way? No, it doesn't. Like it, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be anything. And I mean, shoot, for years, I thought success had to look the way others told me it looked, you know, like, I, I have to say, looking back, I remember being irritated with all the people that thought they were being helpful, you know, like, lots of people that are currently my age, looking back, I mean, like, oh, you're young, you need help. No, I don't. Thanks. Trying to give me advice that I didn't ask for and trying to shape me into the entrepreneur that they actually never became themselves. And it's like, mm, no, stop projecting on me. I don't like this and I don't need it. So why don't you work out your issues in therapy or on someone else? Cause it's not going to be me. Um, and I never really cared for that. And I think when we actually have the courage to define what our companies are going to look like, how leadership is going to look like, what sales is going to look like, and, and how we have our relationship with our teams and our clients and, and, and with ourselves. When we actually have the courage to define that on our terms, my God, it's liberating. I mean, Ashley, listen, I, I am not the person, I, I mean, you can tell just by speaking to me, I'm not ultra corporate. I don't like it. If I care about you as a, as a client of mine, I'm going to probably text you at like probably seven o'clock at night. Hey, how did that thing work out? Are you okay? Like, I want to actually have a genuine relationship with my clients. You know, I am thinking about you. I took on mm -hmm. your business because I actually care. Like you want to text me, go ahead. If I'm sleeping, I just will not reply until I'm awake. But like, that's it. Like, I want to do business in a certain way and I want to know my employees and I want to have relationships and the transparency to be able to talk to my clients in the middle of this coronavirus stuff. Hey, are you okay? Are you stressed? Do you need someone to talk to? Yeah, I'm really upset. I'm scared. Okay, cool. Let me actually be your friend. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, can we not like have this like super ultra armored relationship where we can't be genuine and human with each other? Like, I never wanted that. I wanted a company that actually made me happy. And I have wonderful relationships with my clients at Vision still, even though I retired. And I have great relationships with my team. And my God, even like two weeks ago, I'm not going to forget this for the rest of my life. One of my team members said to me, she goes, I love working for this company. I never want to work anywhere else. She's like, this, this is the company that has made me feel more appreciated, more valued, and more trusted than any other place I've ever worked you're, you're going to have to get rid of me because I'm never leaving. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Oh, that, that's the goal right there. I was like, oh, I love you too. It just feels good. I want to be yes. happy, damn it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so important to really think about what feels good to you while you're being a business owner and go ahead and do it because no one else is here to t tell you otherwise, because you are the boss and you have the full control over it. Exactly. And man, I'm telling you, like, I'm going to be so transparent with you right now. The work I did to transform myself and to write the book, The Six Habits and all of this stuff is what actually changed me as a person from like an okay leader into an incredible leader. And I'm really glad I did the work. And, and this is the kind of stuff that I really want people to know before they make all the mistakes that I made, because I'm telling you, I was the victim of always trying to do things the way 
other people were influencing me to do it. Oh, you need to wear these clothes. Oh, you need to buy your trousers from these people. Oh, and look a certain way and sound a certain way. And no, don't be as big and bold as you are. And don't wear so much makeup and don't wear heels that high and don't do this and don't do that. And that, that, you know what? I'm tired. <laughs> Shut up. Like it's just maddening. And like, I'm just, yes. I'm like so done. And I really desperately want to love other young entrepreneurs so much that I want to give you the tools. Please don't do this stuff because I figured this out when I was 37. If you're a young CEO and you're learning it at 19, 20, 21, 22, oh my God. Oh my God. Do you understand the level of success and joy, freaking joy that you'll have in your work and, and like more money will come to you and all these things. If you just get it right the first time, how I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so true. And I hope everyone was just listening to what Laura was just talking about, because I think it's a really, really important lesson to keep in mind as you move forward in your business. But kind of going off of that, Laura, one thing I really want to know and what I want to ask you is outside of doing all of the work that you've done internally, which is incredibly important as a business owner, what do you think led to your success? honestly, stubbornness, you know, the very thing that my mom and dad used to give me crap for being, um, oh, don't be so stubborn. Don't be so stubborn. Yeah. Actually turns out it's a fine, fine trait to have, um, as an entrepreneur, um, because there will be approximately 1000 times before you retire that you're going to want to quit. Someone's going to upset you. Something will go wrong. You'll lose a really, really big contract. Sometimes not even your fault. Someone will hurt your feelings. You'll embarrass yourself and you're going to want to quit, but your stubbornness will keep you from quitting. And I mean, over 20 years, oh yeah, I'm, I'm confident. It was probably well into the thousands of the amount of times I wanted to quit. I got very frustrated and I wanted, I wanted out and I'm like, oh, why is this so hard? And you know, every challenge seemed like it was much worse than it was. And sometimes a sales conversation would be frustrating or I'd miss an opportunity or I mean, pick a tragedy, right? But the stubbornness is what made me successful. Like, you know, my sales ability has always been there. That is a really, really pivotal thing, but just the stubbornness even beyond my sales ability. Cause like, honestly, you can pick up a sales ability. Stubbornness, I kind of feel like you're born with, you either have it or you don't ask. I mean, hang out with any three-year-old, you will see stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like, that's the thing that really changed um, probably my life the most. I mean, cause I was in an abusive relationship at 19 and he's like, oh, you're stupid. You can't do anything. I was like, oh, really? Watch me. And that was that stubbornness. It was that fire and clients being like, oh, well, you can't, you know, you can't do this and that. Yes, I can. And it was a you know, like, oh, well, oh my God, I don't know how to solve this problem. And there's always been that little nagging, annoying voice in the back of my head. That's like, you don't get to quit till you figure this out. So sit yes. your bum in the chair and do it. And, you know, stubbornness is such a widely underrated attribute, but that's what gets people where they want to go. It's that relentlessness. Yes. And the resiliency that comes with it too. And just really, even if nothing's working out in this moment, knowing that it is going to work out. So just keep moving forward and you'll find that you end up where you do want to be. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot to it. I mean, you know, I, I really wish that parents of 
really awful kids. And I say that being a former really awful kid, (laughs) (laughs) basically nurtured them into entrepreneurship. Like, Hey, what you have, you you know, you think that your little tiny tyrant is going to, you know, take over hell one day, probably, but why don't you teach them to be a CEO instead? Because if you can teach this little stubborn human that insists on getting what they want their way all the time to actually shape and mold and use that stubbornness and use that insistence to their advantage and serve others along the way, this little tiny tyrant will grow up to be a servant of epic proportions, really, really rich and pretty happy, but you got to build them from the ground up, you know? Yes. And I think that's so true. And just something so important too. I mean, starting with young kids, being able to turn them into entrepreneurs, that is something that should be definitely embraced more often than it is. I totally agree with you. Hey, you know what? I'm curious. Um, this is how old I am. Okay. Um, when you were a kid, probably like 10 or 12 or whatever, were you given like a catalog by your school to like go sell door to door and like sell candles or doodads or whatever? Were you given those too? Yes. Like candles, cookies, magazines, all of that stuff. Yes. Okay. So I was given those and my, both of my parents were entrepreneurial and salespeople. So I really appreciate how much courage they instilled in me because I would come home from a come off the school bus. Hey mom, we're doing another thing. She'd be like, <laughs> okay. And you know what she did? God bless my mom. This woman invested more in me than any other human. Um, she'd be like, okay, kiddo, when do you want to go? Well, I want to go tomorrow. Okay, cool. We'd get in the car. We would go until after dark. I'd be like, mommy, I want to go to one more house. My mom never said no. She would always let me go to one more house. I'd be like, mom, I'm selling. I want to do more. I want to do more. She never extinguished my fire. Never. She let me feel the thrill of victory. Now, to be clear, I was not the kid that was in soccer. Do not have a single sports trophy. Do not have any of those things. But what I had was a mom screaming for my victory um, in small things like selling candles. My God, I was the Yankee candle representative of the year. I sold so many tarts. Oh my God. I feel like, and of course I grow up and then I have a home filled with Yankee candle. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Oh my God. Then I went to go on and sell Cutco and all these other things. But like, I was the kid that I won the bike and I got to do all these things because my mom never, ever, ever stifled it. She made sure I was safe going into people's homes. She stayed in the car, eyeballs on me to make sure people wouldn't do weird stuff. Sometimes they did, (laughs) but like- (laughs) You know, like, I just appreciate the heck out of her, like doing that for me. And I really think that if, you know, if, you know, you or I ever end up having kids, like, let's, let's like fan that flame. Like, oh, you want to go sell more? Cool. I will stay out with you. It's, it's essentially, it's like, this is essentially professional trick or treating. There's no candy, but there's a bike at the end of it. Yes. Right. (laughs) And commission. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love that story. And I know that's one thing that I always say that I am like incredibly grateful for out of everything is just the support because people don't realize how much that comes into effect when the people who are closest to you fully believe in you and everything you're setting out to achieve. That is exactly what you said, fuels that fire. Oh, it totally does. I mean, you know, whoever raises us, be it our parents or grandparents or foster parents or whatever, like we all are got to be raised by somebody. Right. And whoever takes on that role, 
if we're getting a lot of our support in following our dreams and being who we really are and like perseverance and stubbornness from a very young age, boy, it has like rippling effects later on in life. And, you know, when I had that abusive boyfriend being like, oh, you're stupid, you can't do it. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even a thing for me. My subconscious that my mom helped to build was like, yeah, you can keep going. Mm. You know, that's so important. And I, oh man, I see so many little kids now they're discouraged and they're like, you know, like they're just a reflection of their parents' own fears that they've done a fine job of installing successfully and magnifying in their own children. Yes, I know. I know. So you need less of that and more of our experiences, right? Well, yeah. And you know, the thing, like, I don't know if I shared this with you um, outside of um, before we hit the record button, but like a big part of the work that I do now with the six habits is I'm trying to actually reach the people that are between your age and my age, because these are the people that are parents. What I want to do is I want to help moms and dads to master these habits so they don't pass on their destructive habits to their children, but instead they give them constructive habits. And what's a habit? It's an unconscious thing we do. We don't like parents don't realize the kind of stuff that they're passing on to their kids and they're doing their best, but you know, so I'm going to throw my poor mom under the bus. So I just celebrated her. I think she'll be all right. So <laughs> my mom, God bless her. She's a beautiful woman. So she's 77. She's still gorgeous. And she's always the last one to know. I remember growing up and her telling me how beautiful I was as a little girl and be like, oh, Lord, I love your freckles. And, you know, I love your curly hair and you're so pretty and you're such a nice little girl and blah, blah, blah. But then I would watch my mom be in the mirror and say terrible things to herself. Oh, I look so old. Oh, I look so tired. And oh, I look terrible today. And oh, I look so fat and blah, blah, blah. And like, unfortunately, while I actually received the can-do spirit because she never talked herself down that way, she talked to herself really poorly about her appearance. So I always learned what she did, not what she said. So I witnessed and I absorbed the can-do spirit, which she still has. My God, she's relentless. Um, it's really fun <laughs> arguing with her. Good God. Um, but I also picked up her perception of herself and I learned that behavior within myself as a result. I was on a diet for 20 years and no matter what I looked like, it was never pretty enough and it was never thin enough. And, you know, God forbid I have five pounds extra on me. Like I wasn't worthy of love anymore. And it took me the realization to like, oh God, this is bad to like first be aware of it, but then correct it. But like also realizing like, hmm, mommy passed on so much of herself to me and all the good, but I also got a lot of the bad. And, you know, now I'm an adult and it's my job to sort that out. But imagine what would have been possible if, oh, I don't know, 50 years ago, before I was even thought of, if mom had the opportunity to work on these things within herself so she could still be a sales beast, right? Because she sold cosmetics and she did her own thing and she was winning awards too. But what if someone could have come along and taught her to accept herself or speak to herself with kindness or to do these things? I never would have learned those lessons and I would have been even more successful in business had I not constantly been so fixated on what I looked like. Yes, 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 yes. Everything that you just said there was pure gold. 
<laughs> awesome. Thanks. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, people really need to kind of think about how they treat themselves can reflect not only how they view themselves in the future, but also those who are watching them. Well, absolutely. I mean, we're modeling things. And, you know, so my husband and I tried to have uh, a baby and turns out through years of stress and doing things so bad for myself and just, you know, living in a state of chaos. Um, I made my body a hostile environment, so I'm actually not able to stay pregnant. I can get pregnant, just can't stay that way. So um, I don't have children, but I keep thinking about what it would have been like for us if we were to have children. And, you know, we, we always think about like, we wanna pass on the best things of who we are. And, and then I take a look sometimes at like, I don't know. I have a workaholic tendency. It's just an addiction that I get congratulated for having. But I know that unless I work on that, if I were to be a mom, I would be passing that on even unconsciously. And it's my job to actually get that under wraps because you never know who's watching you. Right. Right. 100%. So kind of knowing that then, if there was one thing that you wish you did differently as you were starting your business or one thing you know now that you wish you knew then, what would it be and why? Well, actually, I can't say that I wish I did anything differently because that would imply regret. And my life got me to where I am. And honestly, if I hadn't gone through hell, I wouldn't have written the book that has given me joy and peace and has now enabled me to give the same exact gift to others. So I choose the exact same path. Do I wish I had known about these things earlier in life? Well, yeah, but I didn't. So it's hard for me to look back. The only thing I can do is look forward and really just try to invest in other people and hopefully get the message out there that, yeah, misery is a choice, my friend. So is struggle. So is chaos. So is anxiety. You know, a lot of these things are a choice, but happiness is a choice. Tranquility is a choice and doing things your own way, regardless of what others think. Oh, that's a choice too. And if you don't fortify yourself, you're never, never going to make it. So true. And especially, I mean, I love what you said about not regretting anything, instead being grateful for everything you went through because it brought you to where you are today. I feel like when people start to overanalyze and really um, be down on themselves for things that they did that maybe didn't go so well, they're not really appreciating what they've done otherwise and what they've done and accomplished in the meantime. And it prevents them from looking forward and looking at what's coming next and what they can really do in the future. Totally. You know, I was on a podcast uh, about a month ago and this guy was talking to me about how we need to set our old selves on fire and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not usually one to be like, wow, I totally patently disagree with that. But I, that's when I spoke up and I'm like, no, we do not set our old selves on fire. We do not condemn who we were. We love, cherish, honor, respect, and thank the people we were because yes. the person I was brought me to be the woman I am. How can I possibly ever say any unkind words about who I used to be, mistakes and all, warts and all, bad decisions and all, if that very woman built the woman I am, which is which I I love. I love who I am. I love what I stand for. I love what I'm committed to and the very things that make me who I am. It would be such a crime for me to dismiss everything that built this. 
Most definitely. And I 100% agree with that is to really appreciate the person that you were because they, like you said, they brought you to your success and they're who, who molded you into the person that you are today. And that is something pretty powerful to think about and appreciate and realize. Yeah. It's, it's funny, like older you get, the more you realize things. And the thing that continues to blow me away, which I love, um, you at your age, are so much more like emotionally intelligent than I was at your age. And I'm seeing younger people now in their early twenties and just like storming out of the gate and so much more emotionally conscious and thinking about things differently. And it's so inspiring to see. And I almost feel kind of like late to the party on a lot of that stuff, which is fine. I mean, I was early to every other party, so I get to be late to one. But it's just so awesome to see like young people having the courage to start businesses and being so like emotionally aware and like emotionally intelligent. And like, this was not the norm when I was in my early twenties. It wasn't, it was just work, hustle, have a job, you know, have fun, go out partying, get drunk, sleep around, blah, blah, blah. That was, that was the thing. And and now I'm seeing like an entirely different class of young people that I just love. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys are the most epic humans. (laughs) Hang out. (laughs) Yes. And what exactly what you just said is one, exactly how I feel too. I'm constantly inspired by other people and what they're doing in the world and the businesses they're starting and how they're thinking and what they're doing to really change things up. And so kind of thinking about that, what I'd love to ask you, Laura, is why do you think it's so important for individuals to start a business at a young age specifically outside of what we just kind of talked about? Hmm. Well, you have less obligations when you're young and you also have a lot less hesitation when you're young. Like just, I just want to put an image in your mind. I want you to picture a 13 year old young boy right? Now this boy, you know, he wants to drive a dirt bike off of a cliff just to see if he can land on all the tires, right? Now imagine a 40 year old doing the same thing. That's a bit harder of an image to come up with. Like when you're 40, which I will be in a month, which kind of blows my mind, to be honest with you. It's like, wow, how'd that happen? Um, You have responsibilities. You have a home. In my case, I've I have a husband too, and a lot of us have children at this age, and we have obligations and aging parents, and we just can't be as reckless with our time because we have so many more obligations and things we actually have to honor. And our risk tolerance is pretty low. But when you're really young, yeah, you're going to want to try something just for the sake of trying it. That sense of adventure, the sense of willing to take on a risk. Um, and the actual incredible risk tolerance, like think about this. If you're, if you're like 20, right. And you're in your last year of college and you're just thinking about what you want to do. Maybe you still live with your parents. You don't have a mortgage. You don't have kids. You probably don't have a spouse. I mean, if you do, that's cool, but you probably don't. Right. What do you have? Like a student loan? Like, go for it. You have the most freedom (laughs) that you're ever going to have. And you have the most invitation to screw up, which you will, no matter when you start your entrepreneurial journey, you're just going to mess up 
a lot. It's part of the road and you can just handle it better when you're young. Most definitely. I mean, there's just so many good things I feel like of being either in your late teens, early twenties and all of this stuff. I mean, just so opportunity and you're in such a different space than you are as you get older, which of course is never a bad thing, but I I absolutely agree with all of that because I think more people need to kind of take this initiative. I feel like a lot of us have entrepreneurial spirits at this age, but don't always pursue it. And I feel like we need to do a lot more of that is just encouraging and embracing that like spirit that is within us. Totally. And you know, it doesn't mean I, for anyone that's listening, that's older, I just really want to clarify. It doesn't mean that you can't take things on or you shouldn't take these things on when you're older. You just need to factor in your risk tolerance and you will have to do things differently. So actually, here's a wonderful example. I began my entrepreneurial journey at 19. My husband is 44 and he's beginning his now, right? And what this looks like for him is very different than it looked like for me. Um, he is having to strategize a lot more carefully. He has to insulate against certain levels of risk. He has to do a lot more planning versus just figure it out, hop out of the plane and try to build a parachute on the way down because he needs for it to work out. And he is a contributing member of this household. So he needs to make sure that he's able to meet his obligations that he didn't have when he was 19. Right. Right. So that's important. And it doesn't mean he can't do it, but it also means that for him, he had to marry a woman that is like gung ho about entrepreneurship. And I have a high risk tolerance. Like, no, cool. Follow your dream. I love you. Have fun. Bye. (laughs) Like, but there's a lot of people that perhaps are not like that. And when you're choosing your life partner, you actually need to think about that. So maybe let's say you're 25, you haven't gotten married yet, and you know someday you want to start a business, but you haven't done it yet. If you're in love with someone that is the most risk averse person in the world, please understand that you will only ever be as successful as your partner allows you to be because their own fears will hold you back and they will influence how you invest your time and energy. So if you really deeply want to follow your dream, you have to make sure that the person you choose to share your life with has a good capacity for risk tolerance so they can actually hold your hand on the scary roller coaster ride and not freak out. And maybe you make different choices. Like, you know what, maybe we don't need a mortgage at this point in our life. Maybe we're just going to rent for a couple of years um, while I get a business off the ground. How about that? You know, and you just set yourself up to take on the risk and also be okay if things don't work out. Yes. 100%. And so with all of this advice that you've shared, because it has seriously been so jam-packed with so much information and suggestions and just experiences of what you have gone through, if there was one last piece of advice you could share with our listeners for someone who may just be starting out, what would it be? Um, Your business will always be a reflection of your relationship with yourself. That's just a fact. So There's a lot of people out there like, oh, I don't feel like working on myself. Okay, you're gonna pay the price. If you confidently work on who you are as a human, you will improve your relationship with money. You will improve your relationship with clients, with sales, with everything else. Your ability to handle risk and not make it, you know, all about like you or mean anything. If you fail, like, no, it's just that didn't work out versus I'm a failure, right? When you actually do the work, to become your most incredible, 
fortified, strong, like, I don't know, invincible self, that's when you will have the most successful business that you've ever dreamed of. And you're going to enjoy the journey. I love that. And I can 100% speak to that because I remember starting my business. I was like, eh, I don't have time to take care of myself or focus on myself. I need all the time I can get to focus on my business. That's what will bring me success. Well, lo and behold, I soon found out that was not the case. And I found that once I put the work into taking care of myself, doing what makes me happy, setting boundaries with myself, and really, like you said, putting in the work, that's when that success and momentum comes. And I feel like a lot of more people really need to understand that. Yeah, they really do. And, you know, I want to be super transparent. You, you know, even if you didn't work on yourself, you still would have achieved a certain level of success. And what for years, I didn't really work on myself and I still became successful. Um, so it's not like you can't do it, but you're going to burn yourself out. You're not going to have as much success. You're not going to handle things really well. And you're just going to be a bit of a chaotic mess, but you know, the other side is definitely better. Like I've, I've actually experienced what it's like to sell with such ease and grace and also to sell in a high anxiety environment. I've experienced what it's like to be a really crappy boss because for years I was so burnt out and crispy from doing everything the wrong way that I was not being a good boss. Um, and now I know what it's like to be an incredible one that people thank me for employing them. Like, that's awesome. And there's definitely a difference and it really is in all ways a choice. Absolutely. Laura, this has been such an amazing episode that I know our listeners will find to be so valuable because I'm like jotting down all of these like super amazing gems that I can't wait to implement in my life and business. And so now I'd love if you could share where our listeners can find you online in case they'd like to connect with you further. So if you head to the six habits.com, which is the T H E S ixhabits.com. You can learn about me. You can get a connection to vision advertising, and you can also snag a free chapter of the six habits, which yes, every single entrepreneur needs to read. Um, grab the free chapter. If you like it, read the whole book, but everything is right there for you. And if you want to email me anytime, that's the place to do it. The six habits.com. Perfect. And I will make sure to put that link in the show notes in case anyone missed it from you sharing it. But Laura, thank you so much for being a guest today. Truly a pleasure. I'm really grateful for this conversation. This has been loads of fun. Thanks so much for listening today. I'd love it if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with those who could use it most. For show notes and more information, go to studenttoceo.com forward slash podcast.